Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 321. A stationary piece of iron. It would absorb the arrow's momentum and make it harmless. Kilvin shook his head. It has been tried before. I should have realized before I even tried, I said. At best, it only absorbs a third of the arrow's momentum, and anyone two-thirds arrow shot is still going to be in a bad way. I gestured to a different diagram. What I really needed was something that could push back against the arrow, and it had to push very fast and very hard. I ended up using the spring steel from a bear trap. Modified, of course. I picked up a spare arrowhead from the work table and pretended it was moving towards the arrow catch. First, the arrow comes close and establishes the binding. Second, the incoming arrow's momentum sets off the trigger, just like stepping on a trap. I snapped my fingers sharply. Then the spring's stored energy pushes back at the arrow, stopping it or even knocking it backwards. Kilvin was nodding along. If it needs to be reset after each use, how did it stop my second bolt? I pointed to the central diagram. This wouldn't be of much use if it only stopped one arrow, I said, or if it only stopped arrows coming from one direction. I designed it to have eight springs in a circle. It should be able to stop arrows from several directions at once. I shrugged apologetically. In theory, I haven't been able to test that. Kilvin looked back at the straw man. Both of my shots came from the same direction, he said. How was the second one stopped if that spring had already been triggered? I picked up the arrow catch by the ring I'd set into the top and showed how it could rotate freely. It hangs on a pivot ring, I said. The shock of the first arrow set it spinning slightly, which brought a new spring into alignment. Even if it hadn't, the energy of the incoming arrow tends to swing it around to the nearest untriggered spring, like a weather vane points into the wind. I hadn't actually planned the last. It had been a lucky accident, but I didn't see any reason to tell Kilden that. I touched the red dots visible on two of the eight iron faces of the arrow catch. These show which springs have been triggered. Kilvin took it from me and turned it in his hands. How do you reset the springs? I slid a metal device out from under the work table, little more than a piece of iron with a long lever attached. Then I showed Kilvin the eight-sided hole. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy, and you're going to see all of our eight-sided holes by the end of this show. Man, I knew one of you was going to do that. I saw the <laughs> stupid look on Nick's face and was like, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> uh, uh, God. Yes, peer into my octagon. <laughs> Enter the octagon! <laughs> 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 yeah, that gives new meaning. Two men enter the octagon. <laughs> I really had to restrain myself from not ending that sentence, Mr. Chapo, but 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a, another joke from another podcast. Mm-hmm. Layers um, upon layers. I feel like this is both the crit, like we've talked about. This is Kilvin giving him the critique and asking him the questions that one would in a critique. And also Rothfuss sort of going through and answering the questions that a reader might have. That a pedantic nerd would be like, well, how did you account for this thing? Yeah, absolutely. This is show don't tell, I guess, but it almost feels like it's cheating because we've set up a situation where someone is asking for answers and then Quoth is explicitly showing them. Like, I think the another way to do this is have him invent the object and then have a scene happen where someone shoots at it. That would be show not tell. This is telling. But that's okay. I don't mind the telling in this scenario. Yeah, it's okay to tell sometimes. When when people what, happen, 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 happen. it's okay, fine. It's telling, but it's not just having the narrator tell us stuff. It's a scene where the showing is happening through a show and tell. I still think this is show, not tell, but it's a show and tell. No, I think it's it's tell. telling because the characters are stopping the story to explain how Why a thing works. Why can't you works. guys just get on the fence and make it a show and tell? It, no, quiet. <laughs> what what this is, it is telling because the characters are like just basically delivering exposition to us, but it's fine because this scene is also demonstrating character. And like an egregious example of telling, not showing, would be saying Quoth was sad. Okay, so what? That's boring. But this is demonstrating things about these characters through telling. And because it's actually important that we as readers understand the mechanics of how these this thing works, it's fine for them to tell us. And also, we are being told in an entertaining fashion. Like, none of this is boring exposition that makes me want to blow my brains out. There's also a theory that the bloodless will be repurposed into a brutal weapon of war. And if so, we need to understand its mechanics. By the end of this th- scene, everyone involved, including the readers and Kilvin, is convinced that, like, this is an invention that will materially improve the world. And Quoth has done his due diligence in trying to anticipate all the ways that it could be misused or accidentally harmful. And so if it does get turned into a horrible weapon of war, it's really important for us that all the, like, that we know that Quoth has tried to think of everything. And, that, and like, Kilvin seems like a good authority to tell us that because Kilvin is really careful about this kind of thing. Exactly. And this would set up Quoth to feel responsible, despite for once having actually tried his best to think about all the negative outcomes. And it could be a character flaw of its own to, like, take on the responsibility and the guilt of things that aren't actually your fault. Peter Parker's character flaw is that because one time he was definitely responsible for something really bad happening, now he feels responsible for everything bad that happens, even when he did his best to like make it not happen or he like wasn't really involved. I also really like that much of this page and the pages that precede it and follow it are both having like thought of something pretty clever, but when Kelvin asked him, like, well, how does it reload? That part of the invention was kind of a happy accident. But it makes sense. Like, physically, it makes sense. Like, when the arrow hits the thing, it spins. Because if you've ever hung anything that dangles, it spins. And it spins in such a way that one of the other faces with an unloaded spring will be there to, like, catch the next arrow. And this also rings true, both from an engineering and a coding perspective, because this kind of thing happens a lot in design anyway. Like, features... But like a design problem is solved by a happy accident. Yeah, or like a feature will emerge that was an accident, but it's actually something that's nice or helpful and you build it in. Because Quoth designs this to account for arrows that are coming from several different directions, 
But really, I'd be concerned, at least as concerned, about arrows that are all coming from the same direction, right? Because if you've got a shooter hiding in the bushes and he, like, shoots an arrow and he misses the first time, well, he's not just going to give up and go home. He's going to string another arrow to his bow and shoot again from the same place. Ostensibly, you would have the arrow catch as well as a some other protective equipment like a shield. So them firing a shot from the same direction twice might not be wise because you would be able to discern their position based on the first shot and put your shield in the right place for the second. I mean, hopefully, if you're the kind of merchant who's traveling with like armed mercenaries who have shields and stuff, but uh, you might not be. Reasonable. But I think in that scenario, like the arrow catch also still serves as like a warning, right? Because one of the advantages that as anyone who's ever played an Assassin's Creed game can tell you, one of the advantages that bows have over, say, guns is that they're really quiet, right? So you can, like, shoot someone with an arrow and kill them pretty stealthily, like, without it making a lot of sound, right? Or a lot, And, like, they might not even know they're under attack until it's too late. Whereas the arrow catch is going to make a big clang that alerts you, oh, someone's shooting at us. Okay, I think about this a lot in fiction. I think that like instant kills are probably very rare and hard to pull off in real life. I feel like the human body is very hardy and that like a lot of the, you know, in movies and games, you get like, you know, headshots, one shots. I feel like in real life, there's a lot of like lying, groaning and bleeding out and screaming. Like, I don't think there's, I don't think it's, you can actually do that kind of, like well, stealth I think takedown. You can if you have good life. aim, right? Like if you do shoot someone in the brain, they're not going to scream, they're going to die. I mean, but where in the brain, right? You can definitely survive having your brain punctured in lots of places. You got to really get in there and scramble it. That's a medical oddity more often than not, as I understand it. I don't know. I I feel like uh I bet you if you looked at the data You'd see that people, I'm not saying that like, everyone lives through a brain injury, but certainly you don't die immediately and you probably scream and groan. Anyway, this is, this is, this is really a tangent. This is even by my standards. I'm sorry I said anything. <laughs> I think this is relevant because I, I, I do think, but also like I've never been in a war. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that like, yeah, if you get shot in like the heart or the brain, you'll probably die instantly especially if you get shot like more than once, like, yeah, I can see like one bullet being kind of a fluke, but if someone, you know, shreds you with a machine gun, you're going to die because they're going to puncture several organs at once and you'll just die right away. Sure. But even then you, you linger for a little while. No, I'm saying you don't. No, I'm saying you do. That's why execution style. Hey, zip it. Execution style is two in the chest and one in the face in the T zone, because that way is the closest thing to guarantee death. Why do you know that? (laughs) Because we've watched a lot of movies. I think that you're right, and I think that's why most people who are trained to kill people are trained to do that. But I also think that there is an element of, like, Mm. shock. As anyone who's ever been hurt in any way knows, often when you are hurt, you don't actually register how badly you're hurt or how much it hurts you physically uh, for quite a while. Like, when I broke my finger this summer, for, like, hours afterwards, I was like, man, like, yeah, this sucks, but I don't think it's broken. Like, But, like, I'm good to drive. It's fine. And I think that a lot of people, like famously (laughs) in Saving Private Ryan, there's that shot of like the guy who's like picked up his own arm and he's kind of like looking around as if he doesn't know what to do with it, right? He's going, ah! Exactly. Look, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that getting headshot with an arrow, well, it will probably kill you, but not immediately. 
That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, buddy. Okay, well, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I feel like we're getting away from the page. See, I think where we probably agree is that I think you can kill someone instantly, but I think that it's harder to do than fiction would have you believe. Much in the same way that, like, if you want to strangle someone to death, it takes a long time. Like, more than 20 minutes, probably, like, an hour of, like... <laughs> throttling them no recently movies i've noticed that recently movies have started adding a neck crack whenever someone does a choke out because i think that that information has like trickled out and now it's a little bit yeah. harder to believe that people can do choke out so they started adding like at the at the end which i think is kind of funny and also like if you conk someone on the head you're probably not going to knock them out you have to hit them like several times to do it yes. and if you do <laughs> knock them out they're going to have brain damage when they wake up like if you hit someone hard enough to to knock them unconscious, they're not going to wake up afterwards with a little headache, but be otherwise fine. That's that's a really common like fictional plot device that I'm not saying we should do away with it because it makes fiction a lot easier to write. Yes, however, the the device where if a uh, coconut hits you on the head and you pass out and you wake up and your personality is totally different. That is that is. Oh real. really? Um, I just want to address. Yeah, that happens. That 100 of the time, if you get hit in the head with a coconut, you have a new personality when you wake cool. up. Cool. God, you guys are so off topic. Uh, are we going to go on to our next episode? Sure. The next episode of Paige. Of. Uh, Wait! Wait!